Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green and your host. Hey everyone, we are in for a treat because my personal doctor, one of my favorite people in the world, whom I love, he's family and he's one of the best. He's Dr. Frank Lippman and he is back with another must read book which he wrote with another friend, with our mutual friend, Neil Parikh, the co-founder of Casper. And and guess what? It's about sleep. Better sleep, better you. Your no-stress guide to getting the sleep you need and the life you want. I'm sold. Who's not sold with a title like that, Frank? Right. Well, sleep is interesting because, you know, so many people struggle with sleep. And I never took it, I mean, I always knew sleep was an issue. And it was actually, you introduced me to Neil. And Neil was the one who got me more into sleep because he wanted me to be an advisor for Casper. They were transforming into a sleep company. And I thought, shit, I get a, better get my shit together on sleep. <laughs> better learn a little bit more. And I started researching and reading. And I just became fascinated with how much research there is on it, and and how you know how inter- interestingly how we just don't take it seriously enough. And then I started thinking back how in my practice, you know, sleep. I always talk about sleep, but it's not really a focus. It never was a focus. And then just sort of led me down this track to think about sleep. How do I think about problems in general? And then how do I think about sleep in particular? Well, look, we all sleep and and when you're not sleeping well, it can lead to all sorts of bad things, which you go into the book. And some of the statistics are scary. You start the book by saying 40% of Americans report occasional insomnia, 22% experience insomnia almost every night, and 70%, 70% of Americans aren't getting enough sleep. So what are we doing so wrong when it comes to sleep? Well, and with the pandemic, I think the numbers are probably even worse. Not probably, are even worse. I think it has a lot to do with our lifestyle. I think stress and being on for 24-hour-a-day lifestyle, not stopping, stress, the fact that we don't get enough natural light and live in, and get too much artificial light, the fact that we live out of rhythm, with or out of sync with the rhythms of nature, the fact that our microbiomes are so frequently off, that our diets are a problem. So there's so many factors that all work together. And you know, for different people, it's different things. For some people, it's mainly stress. For other people, it's just they're out of sync with nature's rhythms. For other people, it's their microbiome. So it's this combination of so many factors that frequently are off in our culture that all play together and you know the symptom or the result of that is not sleeping properly so you mentioned rhythms and for anyone who knows you you're you're a rhythm guy you're a music guy that's your south african roots and can you talk a little bit about cultural arrhythmia and the role the pandemic has specifically played there and why it's so disruptive yeah so i think the way i i why I talk about cultural arrhythmia. I think most people understand 
the concept of jet lag. And most people know when they go to London or wherever they're traveling three, five hours in a different time zone, they get to that place and they usually tie, they feel a bit tired, they may be achy, their system is a little bit off. Now imagine if that is happening all the time. If that's happening day after day. It's not just so it's not just from traveling. It's because we go to sleep at different times. You know, sleep is your primary rhythm. And when I talk about cultural arrhythmia, we don't recognize that sleep being your primary rhythm is affected by all the other rhythms in your body. So if you go to sleep at different, if you go to sleep one night at 12, another night at eight, or you go during the week, you go to sleep at 12 o'clock and you have to wake up at seven o'clock thinking that you're going to catch up on the weekend. And then on the weekend, you go to bed at eight to try catch up on your sleep. Your body is perpetually out of rhythm. It can't get back into uh, a rhythm. And, you know, my philosophy now on sleep is it's basically, for the most part, a body out of rhythm. And as a culture, we don't acknowledge our connection with the natural rhythms of nature. So when you talk about I'm a rhythm person, what's interesting, in Africa, where I got into African music and African rhythms, and when I worked in the bush, there was no there was no electricity, so people went to bed when it was dark. There was, although food where I was a problem, they had to get food brought in, but they basically had to eat which was grown locally. Everything was in sync with the rhythm of the surrounding area and, and, and rhythm with nature. They had to be. There was no refrigeration. They could only eat food within a day or two. But most important, I think, is the light. The light, the whole aspect of light and dark. Because those are the two major rhythms in nature. And sleep and being awake are those similar rhythms in our bodies. And we just don't acknowledge or we don't sink in with the darkness to sleep and with the light when we awake. So if you think of it, during the day, most of us are indoors. We, we're not getting enough natural light. We, and then as it gets later, we under artificial light. And that's tricking the body. The body doesn't realize the body still thinks it's daytime. So obviously, those rhythms of, of dark and light are going to affect your primary rhythms of being awake and being sleepy. So can you talk a little bit about artificial light at night as I you know, look at my iPhone? We're all watching TV or we're on our phones. And what's happening in terms of our rhythm when we're on our iPhone, checking right. Twitter, Instagram, or texting at night? Well... The, the primary problem is melatonin, which is your primary hormone, your primary sleep hormone, is not going to be secreted if there's any little bit of light. So if you're sitting under lights till 10, 11, 12 at night, if you're looking at your computer, at the TV screen, at, at your cell phone, your body doesn't know that it needs to go to sleep because it still thinks it's daytime. How would your body know that it's not dark and you're not supposed to go to sleep because it's this constant stream of light coming in. That to me is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest issue with this cultural arrhythmia or why so many people have a sleep problem. So is there a solve in terms of blue blockers or is it just simply don't touch the phone at a certain time? Well, I think blue blockers may help. I think the phone and just looking at emails, etc., ha have a, an extra layer apart from the blue light, 
It's the aggravation and the stimulation of your sympathetic nervous system, which is your sort of stress response, that's going to make sleep more of a problem. So in the book, I actually talk about the different types of, of sleep problems. I have what type of no sleeper are you? You know, do you have a rhythm problem? Is it because of stress? Is it because of hormones? Is it because of the environment? So you, you, there are ways to determine where you fit in on the spectrum and sort of focus in on your issues. But I do think rhythm is the primary issue and the other aspects of our lifestyle just make it worse. So how do we know if we have a rhythm issue? Well, just think about it. If you wake up in the morning and even though you think you've slept well, you're still tired, that could be. I mean, the, the metaphor I always use is it's like if you're swimming upstream. If you're swimming downstream, it's easy. If you find everything more difficult, if, you, if it feels like you fit, you're swimming upstream, the chances are you're out of rhythm. And that's most people don't. You know, I'm become rigid about it. I go to sleep by nine o'clock every night. I mean, it's very rare. I mean, I become antisocial in a way. But it's very rare that I don't go to sleep between eight and ten. I usually try to go by nine, nine thirty, but I try to go to sleep at the same time because my body wakes up at five o'clock every morning. That's what it does now. So it's got into that rhythm. But if you're not going to sleep at a similar time, if you're going to sleep one night at 8, the next night at 12, it's very hard for your body to get into rhythm. But I think the sensation one would feel is as if everything's difficult. You can't think as clearly. Your energy is not as good. You, you may be a little bit more achy. It's just that everything becomes more of a cha challenge. It's a little bit more difficult to do everything. So you mentioned melatonin and you also mentioned cortisol. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship between melatonin and cortisol? Yeah, so melatonin is your main sleep hormone and cortisol is your main daytime hormone. So I see melatonin as, as darkness and light, which are your two primary rhythms. And then the two, those rhythm keepers are, you know, the rhythm makers are day and night and the rhythm keepers are the melatonin and the cortisol. So if you, for instance, if you're sitting under artificial light and you're not making enough melatonin at night, you're not going to get into that rhythm. And at the same time, if you're making too much cortisol at night, which is more of your daytime hormone, that'll happen if you're stressed, if you get pissed off because you send me an email that pisses me off or whatever, your cortisol is going to go up. So, you know, we try to make it simple for people that like, day and night are your rhythm makers and cortisol and melatonin are your rhythm keepers so you know melatonin is the daytime is a is a nighttime hormone cortisol is a daytime hormone so anything that affects melatonin at night negatively is going to affect your sleep and, and and similarly with cortisol if you don't make enough cortisol during the day and you make too much at night which is extremely common in our stressful world same thing's going to happen can, now, can we talk a little bit about melatonin in the supplement? You know, as you know, a lot of people, a lot of people can't sleep. They don't want to take sleep aids or sleep medications. And we'll talk about the crisis there in a moment. But a lot of people are taking melatonin. You're not a fan of melatonin because it can mess with our body's natural melatonin processes. And you're not alone. I've heard that quite a bit. And And more is not better. And you can build uh, a tolerance to it. So can we like talk about melatonin? Because I'm sure people are listening or take it, and then 
people it's nuanced and you have to talk about dosage and the context of how you're taking melatonin and the frequency i think melatonin is a fascinating hormone and i'm not against melatonin at all in the right context so when i see someone who has a rhythm problem if you want to get back into rhythm melatonin is a good way to get there so if i travel and i travel east or in in particular and i want to set my when i go to south africa for instance and there's a seven hour time difference and i want to set my body clock to the time in, in south africa i will then start taking melatonin when i get there at night to help my body get into that cycle so if you have a rhythm problem melatonin can be really helpful and is helpful and i think it's it's perfectly valid supplement it's not right for everyone. And, and the second part of melatonin, as you point out, more is not better. For To get you back into to sync, 0.5 milligrams is more than enough. You know, if you really want to, some people use melatonin for, as an immune booster, then you want to take 10 milligrams of melatonin. That's when people want to boost their immune system or some people use it for anti-aging. Then you want to use 10 milligrams. I'm not saying you should, but that's could be more appropriate. But if you just want to use it to help you sleep if you have a rhythm problem then 0.5 is enough and if your problem if you're having a sleep problem because your gut is off or you drinking at night or you're stressed out melatonin is not necessarily going to help you contrary to you know what most people believe there are other things that can help and i'll plug your sleep support because there are things there are other natural nutrients that can actually help with sleep way better than melatonin can if you have if you don't have a rhythm problem if you have a rhythm problem i'm all for melatonin yes well thank you for plugging the sleep support which we we created with our dear friend dr bob roundtree and one of the reasons why we created By the way, you should now start including into your um supplements now that uh, pot is legal in new york i mean i see incredible results with CBD or CBN, actually, another version of another cannabis, and a little bit of THC. A lot of people, now that we can use it in New York, it's interesting because I have so many patients who have told me that's helped as well. Well, stay tuned on that. We're working on that. And I, and I kind of see CBD as almost the way I think about it, CBD and, and our sleep product and sleep supplements. It's almost like the appetizer in the main course. Yeah. I find that I think CBD helps a lot of people wind down after dinner. But to go back to, to melatonin, what when we talked about this with Bob and a number of people on the show, it, it can't it's a problem when it's a high dosage daily because you build a tolerance to it. And if specifically if you're a woman, it can really mess with your hormones. Yeah. And people don't realize that. And it's great for a reset. And in small doses, some people think it's like half, half a milligram, like 0.5. Some people are on 0.3. That, that's when it's yeah. okay as a daily, but yeah. that's where you got to be careful. Quite correct. Melatonin is a hormone. It can affect all your other hormones and taking a lot of melatonin, which you know, a lot of people take three milligrams, five milligrams to sleep over time. That obviously is going to affect your other hormones suppress your body's own you know ability to make melatonin so it's you know i think as a culture talk about cultural arrhythmia we, you know, as a culture we think more is better and we're always looking for that quick fix not acknowledging that when you tweak one thing it's going to affect something else especially if you're using 
large doses. And melatonin is a drug. It's not. You get yeah. it over the counter. It should be a drug. It's a hormone. I'm not uh, saying that the drug industry needs to, you know, or it should be banned. But, you, you know, you've got to be smart about a lot of supplements. You can't, you know, mm-hmm. that's a hormone. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I love supplements. I know you love supplements and discussion we've had online and offline is sometimes you can just overdo it and you got to pare down and you got to be, you got to make sure you're not overdoing it because essentially everything has side effects, everything. Yeah. <laughs> and you, it could be overkill very quickly. Right. Well, you know, what we say in the book, which is my basic philosophy is sleep is a, is telling you something is off balance. Now you got to try and ascertain what it is that's causing you to have sleep issues, and it's not as difficult as one would think. Now it may be difficult to deal with the issue if you're stressed out, if your spouse or your boyfriend is giving you a hard time, you're going to bed angry, you got angry thought. I mean, there, there's so many factors that can affect your sleep. But you need to look at all these issues. Um, what are the underlying issues that could be causing you to have a sleep problem? And when you work that out, it actually isn't that difficult if you are able to correct those causes. That, I'm not saying, is easy. And some people, look, Colleen, my wife, has had chronic sleep issues and she's much better than she was. And a lot of people who've suffered from chronic insomnia go to sleep medications and you have to. And I think for people, it's you want it to be a bridge. But with that said, can you explain why sleep medications are so terrible? And, and you go as far as saying they're the new opioids and sort of the, yeah. dan- the danger of sleep medications in general, if they're not used in that as a bridge, if you will. Right. So, so maybe I come across a little bit stronger about sleep meds because my mom, my late mom, took sleep meds for many years and developed Alzheimer's. So that is basically, that is one of the side effects of sleep meds. But I think you've got to look at sleep meds as, first of all, it's just a Band-Aid. It helps on average, you get 20 minutes more approximately on average sleep than without taking it. And then there are all the side effects. They're very difficult to get off. Once you start sleep medication, if it's, you know, once you start going over two, three, four weeks, it can be very difficult to stop them. The side effects are, the, the, to me, the most dangerous is the Alzheimer's. You know, it's well described is Alzheimer's and cognitive problems from long-term sleep medication and then apart from the you know that can cause all you know not as important side effects but to me if you're not treating the underlying problem it's not helping that much and there's a fairly good chance not it's not a you know uncommon side effect of getting alzheimer's i just don't get it you know what i mean if i don't have a problem with all medications there's a place for a lot of medications and if they're effective and they're not that toxic, why not? But there, to me, there's no real place for sleeping medication. I would rather go with the CBD and the THC and the sleep support. And there's so many natural supplements that are going to work just as well. They not, may not hit you over the head the way a sleeping med does, but are going to be much more beneficial. So why not go with that? I mean, and at the same time, look for what the underlying issues are, you know, causing why you're not sleeping. 
Yeah, and one caveat, and I can talk from personal experience. You know, people say, well, as you get older, you just don't sleep as much. You don't need to sleep as much. That's nonsense. As you get older, it becomes more difficult. As you get older, I have to wake up and go pee, for instance. Or as you get older, sleep is more of an issue. Same with everything. It's, you're not Things don't work as well and you don't sleep as well. It's the same thing. But you just got to pay more attention to it. I pay much more attention to my sleep now. And I even got a sleep tracker. I see, you know, you and we, we should talk about sleep trackers. And I'm not quite sure if that helps, but that's how... I thought I got to like monitor this just to see what's going on. Well, let's definitely talk about sleep trackers as we both have our aura rings. I also have a whoop. I have a Fitbit. I, I love tracking everything. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is you compare the devices and, and compare the data. And sometimes it's yeah, no, matches. That's interesting. I've never, are they similar? Directionally, they are for the most part, but not always. And they specialize in different things. And where I'm going is like, as you think about sleep, some of the things that the trackers track, so that, you know, you know, there's sleep latency, there's REM, there's deep sleep, there's restfulness, and then HRV, heart rate variability, which a lot of people think is like a great indicator of overall health and well-being. And so I, I'm curious in terms of sleep quality, look, sometimes... It's just TMI. What, what do you pay attention to? I pay attention to patterns more than anything else. Because I'm not convinced. I, can, I, I, know how to, I know how to manipulate this, by the way. Oh, really? How do you manipulate yeah. it? You want to increase your HRV? How? Wake up in the morning and instead of getting out of bed to meditate, just meditate in bed. Or take some deep, slow breaths and my HRV goes sky high. Um, uh, well, is that uh, good? Is that good? Or are you just messing well, with the, the data? This is what I'm saying. I don't know. what I mean, the one, the biggest problem I find with this is depends on a personality. If you're going to get obsessed about, if you're an obsessive person, these things are bad news. Yes. I don't take it that seriously. So it's not the end of the world. I mean, I find it interesting more than I'm not quite sure if it's helpful. So you know where I think it's helpful. So it's a couple yeah. of things. So one, yeah. I do think as we're creating supplements here at Mind Buddy Green or take our own stuff, it's curious to see like what works, how I'm affected. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting for food at dinner and also alcohol was a big yeah. one to see how different alcohol affects your sleep and your heart rate was yeah. fascinating because all alcohol is not tr created equal, at least for me. Uh, that's interesting. I say I don't drink, but that's very interesting. I think, but that's the, the important point. I think it's important for people to see when they drink how it affects their. So, for instance, when I, because I tend not to drink enough liquid as my, you know, regular, when I'm dehydrated, my HRV is much lower, interestingly enough. When I'm more hydrated, my HRV. So it's interesting tracking those little things. And I've also I've played around with what will make me get more deep sleep. If I take more magnesium, maybe CBD, definitely. If I take a good dose of CBD, I'll get a, a deeper sleep. So I think it's, imp I like the idea of messing, playing around with various supplements and various lifestyle things. When I eat, when I fast or I eat, like I've eaten my at dinner today at 4.30. I want to see what happens to, my, to, to the way I sleep. So I play around with that. And there's no question that various supplements, how we eat, what we eat, alcohol affect, affect us. So that is interesting. But to actually just go and say, oh, I 
didn't get my one and a half hours of deep sleep or REM, and I'm not sure. I mean, I, yeah. you know, those are the people. Those are the people come in and ask me these questions. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm saying. I'm not saying. I find it interesting, and I think there's something to it. But what we need is something that tracks all these things together, and then we can, uh, you know, see a, a spreadsheet. <laughs> that's what I'm working on with Neil. Okay. Well, keep us posted on that. So you mentioned food and I, you've never been a fan of sugar. You're still, you you know, you talk about sugar and sleep. So we know sugar is not good for sleep. Makes sense. What food is good for sleep? You know, I'm not, you know, there's a tart cherry juice in there. I'm not, to be quite honest, I don't think there's particular foods that are good for sleep. I think it's what you it's when you eat, how much you eat at night, and avoiding the starchy foods. Like last night, uh, you know, I hardly ever have fries. I love fries. But, you know, last night I was with, we were with my daughter and my grand, grandson and had a fair amount of fries. And you know what? It affected my sleep. Really? I woke up in the middle of the night and I, was, I found it very difficult to go back to sleep. And it's happened to me before when I've had too much sugar. To me, potatoes are sugar. It affects my sleep. So, I mean, the thing is, do you need an aura ring to to tell you that? But uh, so I think, sorry, to get back to your question, I think it's more what you avoid is important than what you eat. I don't know if there are any specific foods that affect sleep in a big way. Well, I mean, it- I think your microbiome is a, has a huge connection or is a huge factor in how well you sleep because that I see clinically all the time. People who come up come to me with microbiome problems and gut problems, and you correct those, their sleep gets better. Interesting. So, like dysbiosis, leaky gut, yeah. that sort of stuff, and they dysbiosis, can't sleep. Leaky gut absolutely can. I'm not saying always will, but absolutely can affect your sleep, which makes sense because the metabolites of a lot of these different bacteria can, you know, create sleep problems. Well, you know what's interesting about that is I don't eat that much red meat anymore. And what I do, and if I do have red meat and it's a dinner, I often don't sleep as well. I have trouble getting to sleep when I have red meat at dinner. So I think you bring up a good point. I think everyone is different. And this is what you know, I think I try and teach my patients anyway that you, and this is a tool as there are many other to, to try and tune into your own body and see what works for you. I think that's the most important because the melatonin may work for your friend, but it won't work for you. The magnesium, you know, whatever it is, you've got to try tune into your needs and, and what works for you. So on that note, can you talk a bit about the different sleep chronotypes? Yeah, I mean, there are mainly three. There's the lark, the owl, and the hummingbird. The lark is someone like me. I wake up in the morning early, and like that's the best time of my day is the morning. I'm like, you know, fantastic. In the afternoon, I'm a little not as good. So for any folks who want to see me as a patient, come see me in the morning. <laughs> um, but generally, so so larks are sort of wide awake and good in the morning, and and sort of not as good in the afternoon, and tend to go to bed early. So the culture actually is better. Our culture is better for larks. An owl is someone who 
only gets to sleep at 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and can't get up before 10 o'clock in the morning. So so owls have a high, and it, they're each about 20% of the population, owls are not 20 to 30. So owls have a harder time in our culture because you've got to start, all that's different now. They used to have a problem anyway before the pandemic, but you know, if you've got to start work at eight or nine o'clock, if you're an owl, it's much more difficult. And then the hummingbird is a little bit of both. It's not, you're not really an owl, you're not really a lot. But interesting enough, you can adapt you can change that to a certain extent. So if you're an owl you, and you want to try to get up early, you need to just try to go to bed like an hour earlier and, and just try to work it down a bit. But I think most people, whether they're owls or larks, can adjust their, the time that they go to sleep and wake up to, to work better for their own bodies and for their work. So can you also talk about sleep protocol? Like we, we talked about this years ago and I've borrowed some of your lines. Want, you know, electronic sundown, temperature, you believe in cooler temperatures. So can you elaborate on sleep protocol? So how we can, because so much is setting. You, you got to have your setting needs to set you up for success with regards to sleep. So what should we right. do with regards to so, sleep protocol? You know, as I always say, you can't expect to go at 100 miles an hour and then stop and expect to drop and go to sleep. So there needs to be some transition period between your wake time and your sleep time. Whether you dim the lights, whether you do some restorative yoga, whether you put on some Bob Marley, like reggae music, you know, talk about rhythm beats at about 60 beats a minute, which is a beat of a slow heart rate. So that slows you down. Can listen to classical music, whatever is going to calm you down. But a transition period is really important. The electronic sundown is is a similar concept, but also works with the artificial light. Artificial sundown means switch off all TV, cell phones, whatever, by 9, 10 o'clock. Depends what time you go to sleep, but at least an hour or two before you go to sleep. So you're letting your body, you're not letting all that blue light in, you calming down, you can dim the lights, and your body gets ready to start secreting the melatonin. Having a completely dark room is essential. And if you can't get blackout curtains, which can be expensive, I mean, our rooms here are like pitch black. If you can't do that, just get an eye mask. I travel with an eye mask because hotels never have a dark room. So an eye mask is a pretty simple way of darkening the room because as I said earlier, any little bit of light is going to inhibit your body's own production of melatonin. So, and cold is another important issue. You know, if you're sleeping in a warm room, that's going to affect your hormone production as well. So you want to sleep in a cold room as much as you can. You know, 67 would probably be the warmest that I would recommend. So you mentioned travel, and, and I can vouch, Colleen and I do all of those things. So we get the air down. We're not blackout, but we're pretty good. We do watch TV, but we'll turn it off. TV actually helps us wind down a bit. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we do all those things, and they definitely help. And I think having a ritual around it, you just built it into your routine. Because I agree, you can't just go 100 miles an hour and then stop and say, all right, I'm going to bed. It just doesn't happen. Right. I see it's what's very interesting. I've been watching my daughter and her, my grandson, who's now 13 months, and how she developed very strict rituals of how, what time he has his bath and you sing to him, yada, yada. And the guy, his sleep is fantastic. 
and it's like this routine. So, and I don't think we're that different. We just don't stick to those routines. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so you mentioned travel, and that's something I'm going to be doing again soon. We're all right. going to be doing again soon. What do you do after a, a long flight? In okay, terms so of- I've, I've got my routine for that. So I will take melatonin. Let's say I'm traveling to London. I will take melatonin when it's going to be nighttime there when I leave here. So if I'm flying, let's say it's noon over here and it's six o'clock or let's say it's two o'clock here and it's eight o'clock in London, I will take melatonin at two o'clock New York time. And then I'll fly and I'll get to London. The first, then it'll be, let's say, what I may be getting confused with the date. But the first thing I'll do, the first thing in the morning, well, I'll have a cup of coffee because that'll wake me up and I'll go for a walk outside and get natural light. So, I'm trying to get into that rhythm of the coffee and the light will just boost my cortisol and, and get me going. And then I'll take melatonin at nighttime in the, in London or wherever I am at this stage. So I see coffee and natural light in the morning as a boost and melatonin and something to chill out in the evening. And, and how important is hydration? Extremely important when you're traveling. Yeah. And I know because I often don't hydrate enough extremely important because we get dehydrated when we travel and i mean this has been one of the good things about the aura ring because i don't drink enough water and i I can i should know but as you get older your your ability to determine if you dehydrate or not decreases as an old fart maybe that's part (laughs) of that I do know from my aura ring, I didn't drink enough the day before from my, my HRV. If I drink more, my HRV goes up. It's very interesting. So I, there's a lot of positive to it. So you mentioned walking. Can you talk a little bit about exercise? Sure. Is there, you know, some people, Colleen will say sometimes, you know what, I just need to like go for a, a workout class or a, str- a run to just tire myself out to make sure I can sleep. So like, let's talk, or like, is it, is everyone different here or is there yes. generally better exercise for some people? So I don't know if it's because you tie yourself out. There's no question exercise helps sleep. But when you exercise, it may be very important for different people. For most people, they shouldn't exercise after, you know, in the evening, for instance, because exercise is going to rev them up. For most people, ideally, they should exercise in the morning or, or in the afternoon at the latest because for, for most people, exercising in the evening is not good for their body rhythms. But that's not everyone. I, I know people who exercise at night and go to sleep. But theoretically, you shouldn't exercise too late because it's going to affect your body rhythms. Exercise is one of the best things you can do for sleep. As exercise in the morning and meditation in the morning are probably two of the best things. And then going for a walk first thing in the morning are probably three of the, you know, can do that if, if you can do all three in one even better so something else that you say is great for sleep is sex and but but it's what happens hormonally well yeah with sex you get the release of so many different hormones oxytocin prolactin serotonin and you get the release of so many hormones with sex that's why most people will also say, and can relate to it, that they fall asleep after sex. And that's because of the release of so many of these hormones, which will actually 
help with sleep. So yes, sex can be not always, obviously. And I'm, you know, life is complicated. It's not, it's not the same for everyone. But as a general rule, yes, I think sex is great for sleep. So, in in working on this book, what was one of the what was the most surprising thing you came across in doing the research and really digging into sleep? How important it is, and how lack of sleep. Um, affects so many body processes and can lead to so many diseases, first of all. Second of all, the amount of research and the beginning of all these gadgets. I didn't realize what a problem sleep was until I started researching the book. And then you get into all the research about all the diseases related to sleep. And then what was great working with Neil, because he's a gadget free. I mean, he's into, he'd send me a a link every organized he got me to get an aura ring but he had like from harpreet harpreet he introduced me to harpreet i think eh? harpreet so he would like what do you think of this what do you think of this what do you think of this so we were yeah anyway I, so it was interesting to see that i think the culture was sort of latching on to sleep is a problem and how many companies were developing gadgets that could help with sleep. Well, c- can you elaborate to me what's so fascinating? And, he, and you talk about this in the book, like we all know if, if you don't sleep, it's a problem and, and it can affect your, your health and well-being. But it was interesting to me, you know, you talk about cardiovascular health. Yeah. So can you talk about that? Because one doesn't necessarily equate cardiovascular health with sleep. You, you start to think of processed meat, uh, all the things that are bad, processed food. Yeah, well, I think sleep's interesting because it's going to affect your hormones negatively, which will then affect your heart. It affects your hormones and then your sugar metabolism and insulin metabolism. And then people who have metabolic syndrome, prediabetes, often sleep is an issue so it's affecting so many pathways it's one of those downstream problems that affect so many pathways or it's an upstream issue that's affecting so many problems downstream heart issues are just one of them brain the two most important or or three the three most important issues that people worry about as they get older heart issues brain issues and cancer and sleep is going to affect all of those i think You know, just sleep is one of those underlying issues. Sleep is not a passive time. There's a ton of stuff happening while you're sleeping. Your body is repairing itself. You're cleaning, you're detoxing. Let's talk about detox because cleansing, detoxing is such a sort of understood or maybe misunderstood concept. But sleep is when your body is cleansing. It's a, you know. You know, not, not only are you cleansing your brain, you're, just, you, you're cleansing your system. So sleep is sort of this natural remedy for so many things and affects so many body processes that I think it's like the magic, you know, it's a magic pill. If you can sleep properly, if you can sleep well, and I'm not saying it's that easy. It takes work. You've got to like look into a number of things. But if you can sleep well, I think you can maybe screw around with your diet a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, our, our dear friend, Mark Hyman, used to say you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet, but can you sleep your way out of a bad diet? No, I'm not saying you can sleep your way out of a bad diet, but I think, 
I think, you know, if you're sleeping well, you have a little bit more leeway with all your other bad habits. That's what I'm prepared to say. Okay, we'll we we will close there. Frank, thank you so much. Everyone pick up the book, Better Sleep, Better You. Thanks, Jason. Always great to chat to you. We need to chat some more offline now. Yes, yes.